Experience the best in relaxation and entertainment with SolGood streaming at SolGood.org. Our extensive library features hundreds of audiobooks, thousands of short stories, original podcasts, and popular sounds for sleep, meditation, and relaxation all ad-free. Whether you want to escape into a good book or fall asleep to your favorite ambient sound, we have something for everyone. Go to SolGood.org to start streaming and discover your new go-to for entertainment and relaxation. That's S-O-L-G-O-O-D dot O-R-G. Immerse in audio adventures at SolGoodBooks.com. For $10 a month, dive into a sea of ad-free audiobooks. Let your ears lead you to new worlds and stories. Discover more at SolGoodBooks.com and begin your auditory journey. Chapter 8 on joy and sorrow. Then a woman said, Speak to us of joy and sorrow. And he answered, Your joy is your sorrow unmasked, and the selfsame well from which your laughter arises was oftentimes filled with your tears. And how else can it be? The deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain." Is not the cup that holds your wine the very cup that was burned in the potter's oven? And is not the lute that soothes your spirit the very wood that was hollowed with knives? When you are joyous, look deep into your heart, and you shall find it is only that which has given you sorrow that is giving you joy. When you are sorrowful, look again in your heart, and you shall see that in truth you are weeping for that which has been your delight. Some of you say, Joy is greater than sorrow, and others say, Nay, sorrow is the greater. But I say unto you, They are inseparable. Together they come, and when one sits alone with you at your board, remember that the other is asleep upon your bed. Verily you are suspended like scales between your sorrow and your joy. Only when you are empty are you at standstill and balanced. When the treasure-keeper lifts you to weigh his gold and his silver, needs must your joy or your sorrow rise or fall. Chapter 9 On Houses Then a mason came forth and said, Speak to us of houses. And he answered and said, Build of your imaginings a bower in the wilderness, ere you build a house within the city walls. And even as you have homecomings in your twilight, so has the wanderer in you, the ever-distant and alone. Your house is your larger body. It grows in the sun and sleeps in the stillness of the night. And it is not dreamless. Does not your house dream? And dreaming, leave the city for grove or hilltop? Would that I could gather your houses into my hand, and like a sower, scatter them in forest and meadow. Would the valleys were your streets, and the green paths your alleys, that you might seek one another through vineyards, and come with the fragrance of the earth in your garments. <sighs> but these things are not yet to be. In their fear your forefathers gathered you too near together, and that fear shall endure a little longer." A little longer shall your city walls separate your hearths from your fields. And tell me, people of Orphalese, what have you in these houses? And what is it you guard with fastened doors? 
Have you peace, the quiet urge that reveals your power? Have you remembrances, the glimmering arches that span the summits of the mind? Have you beauty, that leads the heart from things fashioned of wood and stone to the holy mountain? Tell me, have you these in your houses? Or have you only comfort, and the lust for comfort, that stealthy thing that enters the house as a guest, and then becomes a host, and then a master? Aye, and it becomes a tamer, and with hook and scourge makes puppets of your larger desires. Though its hands are silken, its heart is of iron. It lulls you to sleep only to stand by your bed and jeer at the dignity of the flesh. It makes mock of your sound senses, and lays them in thistle-down like fragile vessels. Verily the lust for comfort murders the passion of the soul, and then walks grinning in the funeral. But you, children of space, you restless in rest, you shall not be trapped nor tamed. Your house shall be not an anchor, but a mast. It shall not be a glistening film that covers a wound, but an eyelid that guards the eye. You shall not fold your wings that you may pass through doors, nor bend your heads that they strike not against a ceiling, nor fear to breathe lest walls should crack and fall down. You shall not dwell in tombs made by the dead for the living. And though of magnificence and splendor, your house shall not hold your secret, nor shelter your longing. For that which is boundless in you abides in the mansion of the sky, whose door is the morning mist, and whose windows are the songs and the silences of night. Chapter 10 On Close And the weaver said, Speak to us of clothes. And he answered, Your clothes conceal much of your beauty, yet they hide not the unbeautiful. And though you seek in garments the freedom of privacy, you may find in them a harness and a chain. Would that you could meet the sun and the wind with more of your skin and less of your raiment. For the breath of life is in the sunlight, and the hand of life is in the wind." Some of you say, It is the north wind who has woven the clothes we wear. And I say, Aye, it was the north wind. But shame was his loom, and the softening of the sinews was his thread. And when his work was done, he laughed in the forest. Forget not that modesty is for a shield against the eye of the unclean. And when the unclean shall be no more, what were modesty but a fetter, and a fouling of the mind. And forget not that the earth delights to feel your bare feet, and the winds long to play with your hair. Chapter 11 On Buying and Selling And a merchant said, Speak to us of buying and selling. And he answered and said, To you the earth yields her fruit and you shall not want, if you but know how to fill your hands. It is in exchanging the gifts of the earth that you shall find abundance and be satisfied. Yet unless the exchange be in love and kindly justice, it will but lead some to greed and others to hunger. 
when in the market-place you toilers of the sea and fields and vineyards meet the weavers and the potters and the gatherers of spices, invoke then the master spirit of the earth, to come into your midst, and sanctify the scales and the reckoning that weighs value against value, and suffer not the barren-handed to take part in your transactions, who would sell their words for your labour. To such men you should say, Come with us to the field, or go with our brothers to the sea and cast your net. For the land and the sea shall be bountiful to you, even as to us. And if there come the singers, and the dancers, and the flute-players, buy of their gifts also. For they too are gatherers of fruit and frankincense, and that which they bring, though fashioned of dreams, is raiment and food for your soul. And before you leave the market-place, see that no one has gone his way with empty hands. For the master spirit of the earth shall not sleep peacefully upon the wind, till the needs of the least of you are satisfied. CHAPTER Twelve, ON CRIME AND PUNISHMENT Then one of the judges of the city stood forth and said, Speak to us of crime and punishment. And he answered, saying, It is when your spirit goes wandering upon the wind, that you, alone and unguarded, commit a wrong unto others, and therefore unto yourself. And for that wrong committed must you knock and wait a while unheeded at the gate of the blessed. Like the ocean is your God-self, it remains forever undefiled. And like the ether it lifts but the winged. Even like the sun is your God-self. It knows not the ways of the mole, nor seeks it the holes of the serpent. But your God-self dwells not alone in your being. Much in you is still man, and much in you is not yet man. But a shapeless pygmy that walks asleep in the mist, searching for its own awakening. And of the man in you would I now speak. For it is he, and not your God-self, nor the pygmy in the mist, that knows crime and the punishment of crime." Oftentimes have I heard you speak of one who commits a wrong, as though he were not one of you, but a stranger unto you, and an intruder upon your world. But I say, that even as the holy and the righteous cannot rise beyond the highest which is in each one of you, so the wicked and the weak cannot fall lower than the lowest which is in you also. And as a single leaf turns not yellow, but with the silent knowledge of the whole tree, so the wrongdoer cannot do wrong without the hidden will of you all. Like a procession you walk together towards your God-self. You are the way, and the wayfarers. And when one of you falls down, he falls for those behind him, a caution against the stumbling stone. Aye, and he falls for those ahead of him, who though faster and surer of foot, yet remove not the stumbling-stone. And this also, though the word lie heavy upon your hearts, the murdered is not unaccountable for his own murder, and the robbed is not blameless in being robbed, the righteous is not innocent of the deeds of the wicked, and the white-handed is not clean in the doings of the felon. Yea, 
the guilty is oftentimes the victim of the injured, and still more often the condemned is the burden-bearer for the guiltless and unblamed. You cannot separate the just from the unjust, and the good from the wicked, for they stand together before the face of the sun, even as the black thread and the white are woven together. And when the black thread breaks, the weaver shall look into the whole cloth, and he shall examine the loom also. If any of you would bring to judgment the unfaithful wife, let him also weigh the heart of her husband in scales, and measure his soul with measurements. And let him who would lash the offender look unto the spirit of the offended. And if any of you would punish in the name of righteousness, and lay the axe unto the evil tree, let him see to its roots, and verily he will find the roots of the good and the bad, the fruitful and the fruitless, all entwined together in the silent heart of the earth. And you judges, who would be just, what judgment pronounce you upon him, who, though honest in the flesh, yet is a thief in spirit? What penalty lay you upon him who slays in the flesh, yet is himself slain in the spirit? And how prosecute you him who in action is a deceiver and an oppressor, yet who also is aggrieved and outraged? And how shall you punish those whose remorse is already greater than their misdeeds? Is not remorse the justice which is administered by that very law which you would fain serve? Yet you cannot lay remorse upon the innocent, nor lift it from the heart of the guilty. Unbidden shall it call in the night, that men may wake and gaze upon themselves, and you who would understand justice. How shall you, unless you look upon all deeds in the fullness of light? Only then shall you know that the erect and the fallen are but one man standing in twilight between the night of his pygmy-self and the day of his god-self, and that the cornerstone of the temple is not higher than the lowest stone in its foundation. End of section Elevate your productivity and relaxation with salgoodbooks.com. For $10 a month, access an exclusive selection of ad-free audiobooks. Perfect for listening during a break or commute. Enhance your listening experience at salgoodbooks.com.